You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Welcome back to the Girls on the Grid podcast. My name is Tanea and I am joined by my co-host, the one, the only Priya Richards. Hi. You're so always so awkward when it comes to that <laughs> intro. I was the first one. The first one I ever did made me feel so shit about myself. And I sound, and I'm sick and I sound really bad. I feel like one of us is always really sick when we're doing this. Why am I starting? I got, I got sick at Tassie and I've just kind of started to recover. Tassie? Tassie supercars. Oh. I come down with a head cold. I was super congested, like runny nose and just like heaps of phlegm and all that gross stuff. And it's just like, it happens all the time. Go into more detail. Keep going. Do you want me to keep telling you about my sore throat and how it felt like I was swallowing razor blades and how I was like coughing up blood and stuff? It was great. Yeah. Oh. But now that is slowly uh, not happening to me anymore, which is really nice. But it's just my body's way of trying to tell me to just stop. (laughs) And then when you just don't listen to it ongoing for an extended period of time, it starts to um, think of very, uh, what's the word? disgusting ways to make you stop so yeah it is what it is I think mine's probably a bit of um coming off being around 400 419,000 people that's insane at the Grand Prix oh my that god that is ridiculous yeah. I um I knew walking into that place I knew that I wanted a boost juice I just had to be super, super duper strategic about when I bought my boost juice that's it because the lines were insane like I walked past I walked past a couple of lines like on on the way to like walk to the Repco garage or walk to some categories and things like that and I was like look if I had to pee I would pee my pants because the line for the toilet was it like looped around like they nearly needed um like the the temporary fencing to yeah loop people around because the line for the loos were that long I think on the on the Friday, me and my friend were trying to get food and we hadn't eaten all day and the lines were insane. And I think we ended up just jumping in and we were in line for about 40 minutes before we got food. And it was just... That's insane. It was like hot chips. That's it. <laughs> and they probably so, cost you like $45. Yeah. General admission life. Oh, loving it. It is hard to go back. I think I had a couple of friends who were just there just watching and I just I kind of don't think I'll ever be able to go back to not like having some kind of accreditation because I'm just like it's the same once you get um like once you get like velocity or frequent flyer status with a with an airline when you Mm -hmm. fly an airline that you don't have like benefits with it's always like a slap in the face because you're like wow this is how like normal people do this I have to pay for my food I have to like I can't bypass security like I just, I just feel like a fish out of water and it's just, it's just just the biggest of the first world problems. And I just need to shut up because I sound like I am being like the, (laughs) I swear it's hard. All right. Not like real world hard, but like Tanea and Priya hard. That's it. We complain a lot about our, all of our issues, like being on planes all the time and walking around racetracks. But I think honestly at the Grand Prix, general admission, you can barely see anything for a start. hundred percent. So everyone just watches the big screens. Like yeah. they watch the TV feed anyways. You find a spot and you, you find a spot that has a screen and you watch it and you see the wing of a race car go past every now and then. That's it. 
I honestly think I'm willing to spend the thousands of dollars to sit in a VIP booth. I actually think I would be quite happy doing that. Good Lord. I um, I will not flex. This is not me flexing about how Australian sports marketing looked after me and the crew were working with and let us watch from their turn 13 uh, corporate suite. That's not a flex. I'm just, you know, I just wanted to put right, it out okay. there while you whinge and complain okay. about general admission. I'll just, I mean, I've no whinging and complaining about the corporate suite. Like it was great. There was this really good like chocolate pie thing and they okay. had the new gold monsters and, oh, look. I've, I've heard You enough. know, work hard, play hard, they say. Work mm. hard, play hard. What can I say? I'm going to get that tattooed on my chest one day. <laughs> I, can, I can actually imagine you doing that. I can. You know that I'd do that. <laughs> you would. Um, but Tanea, you're reporting live from Mount Panorama. I can hear the race cars in the background. Yes, the six-hour practice session just wrapped up. I am inside Ridges, Ridges Mount Panorama, and this does not happen very often, but somehow we landed oh, a Ridges room. I didn't realise you were at Ridges. I'm at Ridges. <laughs> Flex. Sorry. Oh. I'm at Ridges um, because we're working for the Australian Racing Group this weekend, and they are, yeah, cool people. And we're, at, we're in room 301, which is, if you're wondering, the best room in the entire place because when oh. you walk out the sliding door... There's no balcony because you're on the bottom floor, like you're on the level floor and you walk out the sliding door and it's just open grass area. Right. That's what I saw on your Instagram story the other day. Is that right? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah. And then you just have almost an eyeline view of Conrad Strait and, and the chase. And like, I just don't think that there's any place better in the world. That's fair. But yeah, so Bathurst six hour this weekend, I am in Bathurst. Uh, working for some actually really cool clients. I'm really stoked for the weekend ahead. And and by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be Monday. So the race will have been run and won. Hopefully the guys that I'm working for are up there because that would, I just like talking to drivers who are happy. Makes our job easier, doesn't it? Talking to drivers that chunt or or have bad results. When they do well, it makes our job easier. So, and they're always happier and they're happy to chat and they love the, the PR and the press associated with doing well. And when they shunt or when they come like P20, they're just always so mopey. And I'm like, look, I don't have time to deal with this. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Yeah. I always, I get a bit scared to talk to them after, I will admit. When they've had a bad result? Yeah. I just stay mm. quiet when the team not had a good run. Yeah. Or you just stand in the corner and just wait for them to notice you and hope that they notice you without you having to like without them without you having to confront them that's 90 percent of my life not gonna lie it's such an awkward feeling even if you know them really well you're still like because I feel like you know they're shitty yeah the anger that comes from a race car driver that's had a bad day it's a different kind of oh it hits different for sure all right p-dog I can see on our um riverside call here that you're sitting in your bedroom do you know there's race cars on this weekend why are you not here with me yeah, look, all right. I I had a few commitments this week, and oh, all right, a few, a few, and unfortunately, I couldn't attend any of them because I was just too jammy. Um, Gross, way too jammy. But yeah, we're not at a racetrack this weekend for once. Um, I'm actually I'm so jealous. I'm actually completely alone. My family is they they've all gone away, and 
I didn't want to go. House party at Priya Richard's house. Yeah, that's it. The house party where you come and then when you leave, you have the flu. So it's very similar to when you go to the Grand Prix and you leave with COVID. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Every person I know that was at the Grand Prix has COVID now. Like I got it not long ago, so I haven't got it again, but it's just everywhere. It's either this flu thing or COVID. But yeah, no no, uh, no race cars. However, tomorrow morning, I think I'm just going to go up by myself uh, to Phillip Island for the day. Go up? Just go down. I was, I was thinking that. I was going to say, you can't go up. You can't be down further than Phillip Island. Phillip Island is the bottom of Australia. So yeah, going to go down to Phillip Island, not to the racetrack for once. I'm actually just going to go to the beach. I used to hate when people would correct my directions and I just did it to you and I'm sorry because I used to hate it because I have no geographical sense whatsoever. I was about to correct myself, so. You know how when like in high school people are either like history nerds or geography nerds? Mm. I was 100% the history nerd and like 0% geography. I just gave no shits and people would be like, where's this place? Like, where's this country? I'm like, look, I'm not your person. (laughs) I don't even know how many continents and countries there are. Like, I just, I should care more. For somebody who loves travel, I should care more. But I've just got zero care factor. I was actually pretty good at both. You know how they say you can be either, you're either good at English or maths. There's no in between. I'm not good at either of them. But you're average at both? Not even average, no. Just bad at both of them. I was good at English and shit at maths. Good at history, shit at geography. I was that kid who would be, like, my my dad, he was good at maths and I'd always ask him for help and I would end up in tears. I'm talking, like, when I was in year 12 <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, my God. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Anyway, we've done a fair bit of, done a decent amount of rambling. Um, We're very good at rambling. We, we are getting good at that, aren't we? It's getting worse. <laughs> I apologise for your listening. At least all the people, at least we're 11 episodes in and people just understand that that's what they... Like people yeah. just know that that's what they're going to expect when they listen to a Girls on the Grid episode. They're just going to cop some Tanea and Priya first world whinging. It basically just turns into not, I forget that we're even recording and we just chat. And there ends up being a lot of stuff that you actually have to cut out because <laughs> we can't that's fun. put it up. Comes with the territory. Our guest today is, uh, she specialises in a area that we haven't really touched on before. Nicole Bryant is a physiotherapist for the Walkinshaw Andretti United Supercars team and she also runs her own business Highline Active which she has been doing for the last who I am a very consistent patient (laughs) are you actually oh yeah I used to I've seen her for years I haven't seen her for a while because I have no time to like exercise or look after myself but when I do have time I have that amount of problems that Nicole fixes I've seen her since I moved to Melbourne like 2018 that's awesome Mm. And I know heaps of people that see her. She's she's like the go-to physio. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, she's good. But uh, without further ado, I reckon we get right into that chat. Without further ado. Further ado. Let's go. Stop that. Stop that. Buckle up your ears, kiddos. Buckle up your ears. Let's get it going. And we're super excited to be introducing our first physio on the pod, Nicole Bryant. Welcome to the Girls on the Grid podcast. Hey, girls. Thanks so much for having me. I've, I've worked with both of you now, so. I know. Here we go. It's come full circle. Yeah. So this is an area that we haven't really touched on before, uh, physio. So can you tell us a bit about your background and how you got 
into your role and into the sport? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I've been a physio for a pretty long time now. I graduated in 2003 and I've worked in a number of different settings, um, worked in a number of different sports, cycling, triathlon. Um, and then I got into motorsport um, through a friend who actually, um, Renee Winterbottom's brother, Anthony. Um, so I knew Anthony and he invited us to the track and just spent a bit of time really just watching and getting to know what was happening, being fans, really. I'd, I'd had no experience with motorsport before and just found it really exciting, enjoyed being there, so spent more and more time at, at racetracks. And then at one event, uh, one supercars event, um, Andre Heimgartner was getting some leg numbness in the car and uh, the I can't remember, hey, Andre's got this numb leg, you know, can you have a look at it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and so had a look and did some treatment and made it about 50% better over that weekend and then just started working more with him. Um, and then it kind of went from there. I learned more and more about motorsport and about the sort of intricacies of, of what the drivers go through in terms of the demands on the body and how it's different to other sports and yeah, it all just kind of went from there. So before coming into motorsport, you specialised in musculoskeletal physio, which I assume is like muscles and skeletons. And was that like in a hospital? Like that's pretty different to what your sort of day-to-day thing is now at a race team. Yeah, I mean, it, it all ties in. So um, a lot of uh, physios who work more in um, sports, and we say sports and musculoskeletal, um, physiotherapy or medicine really because it's the the yeah, musculoskeletal um, system so so all kinds of spinal pain any joint pain injuries and then that that goes into sort of sports injuries so whether it's whether or not it's you know someone who gets an injury at work or someone who gets an injury or pain at sport it sort of all, all ties in so whereas there's other different areas of physio where you might go into more pediatrics or neurology or cardiothoracics um, and a number of others so that are quite different but most kind of I guess you private practice type physios that you see in the community where you see a physio clinic and you think oh I've got a bit of neck pain or my back sore or I hurt my wrist last week you know you can walk in off the street and get get that musculoskeletal injury uh, assessed and treated Um, but I did start off in in the hospitals Um, I worked at the Alfred which is a really sort of specialist hospital in Melbourne that um, has pretty much the state centres for like burns and for trauma um, and for, you know, transplant respiratory cystic fibrosis. So I worked in a number of different areas and got a really good medical knowledge basically to start with and did a fair bit of trauma as well. So orthopedics and trauma, which is, you know, kind of um, any road injuries, usually road trauma, accidents, so lots of broken bones, um, like abdominal injuries, um, head injuries, so lots of different things. And then that's interesting because some of that stuff ties into the motorsport injuries now if there's, you know, um, crashes on, on track and, and, you know, more complex trauma injuries that might be pelvic fractures or, um, you know, wrist fractures, things like that. So for those listening who don't know, I've been doing some video work for Wellconshaw and Ready United this year and I've seen Nicole in action and one thing I think a lot of people wouldn't realize is 
you don't just look after the drivers. It's everyone in the team, not forgetting the mechanics also have a very physical job just as well as the drivers. So it's not a job where you just wait around and treat the drivers and push around some muscles. Even with what you described just then, there is so much more to it, isn't there? Um, And you're looking after quite a lot of people. So having such a big responsibility there, what would you say is the most challenging part of the job? It's probably juggling the priorities, I guess, and the timing. So, um, you know, going through the day, usually in, in the morning, I sort of check in with everyone, whether we're at breakfast or whether the crew, you know, might already be in the garage. I, I go to everyone basically and say, how are you today? And what what's wrong? And they might say, I'm not feeling, I feel a bit, you know, like I've got a headache or I've, you know, I've got something sore from yesterday. And we'll, we'll just chat about strategy for the day, whether or not, um, I'm going to give them some electrolyte or literally some Panadol or we're going to treat it. And then I'm chatting to the drivers and seeing where they're at, what they need for the day and looking at the sessions and where we're going to squeeze in different treatments and when food's coming and when who's needing snacks or lunch or whatever. So it's probably more that um, the scheduling really and making sure that I'm prioritizing who, who needs to be seen first. So it might actually be if one of the crews, you know, got it got really sore back, then they might be the priority for the day. So they might be might be first, and then where where the drivers are fitting in. Um, and you know, as you guys know, like it's just it, it, the whole day feels like it's on fifteen minute um, sc- schedule time frame. So you yeah, you just you try to make sure you don't miss anything, basically. Yeah, cool. So give us a little bit more of a rundown about what a typical race weekend looks like for you, like during the week when you're not at tracks, you're working at your business Highline Active, which I have been a rather frequent patient of because I'm a little broken from my years of motocross and uh, I'm just very injury prone. I'm just the type of person that if I can trip over nothing, look, I'm probably going to fall on my face. So I do uh, attend Nicole's uh, practice probably more than I'd like to. But when you're not working at Highline Active at racetracks, so you roll up same time as the team. What's your sort of main tasks for the day? Yeah, sure. So I usually arrive a bit later than the team. So I don't, they arrive for the starter setup day. So I don't usually come then. I usually come in maybe about halfway through setup day or towards the end of the day and then um, treat whoever needs it. So someone might be carrying some an injury, whether it's crew or drivers, or we want to, you know, be ahead of something because we know a specific track is going to maybe more likely cause some certain neck pain or certain back pain or something like that. Um, so do some treatments, say maybe on the Friday night if it's a two-day race weekend. Um, and then on, say, the Saturday morning when I arrive, what I'll do is um, the, I guess the areas that are, are, are injuries or illnesses, so sorting any of that out, um, is nutrition and hydration so preparing um, electrolyte drinks um, and making sure we've scheduled um, snacks and meals for drivers and crew so working with the chef that travels with us um, make sure everyone gets sort of what they need Um, I'll I'll usually make up sort of ice packs or sometimes we've got the um, ice baths at certain rounds so make sure that they're working and then schedule when say the drivers might get into the ice bath before um, sessions, um, making sure there's sort of towels, um, setting up the medical room even. So sometimes, yeah, depending if I've got there on the Friday night or the Saturday morning, um, 
pretty much just get every, getting everything set up, I guess, and then working through the day of who needs what. Generally, what we find, what we, what we're doing, what we've worked really hard with with Walkinshaw is making sure that the crew and the drivers are in good shape before the event. So. Uh, I train the crew twice a week at the workshop and we do strength and conditioning sessions and then it helps me to also be aware of any niggles that they get. Um, I check in with the drivers before the event and make sure that they're good and whether they need anything just so that I have a heads up about what, what we need. But but now we're in a pretty good routine of everyone comes into the event pretty good and then it's it's only if you know something arises, someone gets hurt, you know, one of the pit crew might you know hurt hurt something in a stop someone hurt, hurt the thumb last you know last week in a stop so might be addressing that or the same thing you know with the drivers they might get out the car and say hey my back's really sore or um my you know my hand I got had a shunt and the wheel um flicked out of my hand and you know my hand's a bit sore or so just assessing things as they arise really um and then at the end of the day making sure Everyone's sort of had what they need, so someone's will try and treat whether it's drivers or crew at the end of the day, because I know that then they'll be able to go to sleep and have a good rest, um, and they'll wake up feeling better in the morning. So, yeah, sometimes we'll, we'll try and do that. So it also depends on whether I'm trying to do. Sometimes we'll do a light treatment, say on their neck, back, or some kind of injury with massage and, and maybe techniques of stretching and joint mobilization before, say, a session. Um, or at the start of the day, you, you're always pretty gentle, not going to go too deep or too hard. But but at the end of the day, you, you often would because you know they've got the the night to sort of sleep on it. So yeah, hopefully, does that answer, sort of answer your question? I probably missed as well, even just with um, warm ups, so mental prep warm ups. I do warm ups with the crew. I might do warm ups with the drivers, or we might do some reaction stuff, um, or. We might just have a chat sometimes if you know something's gone awry in a session or if you know someone's not 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 feeling great or mentally maybe there I'm we might just have, have a chat so I think I guess it's yeah mental um recovery nutrition hydration and then any any injury management kind of preparation yeah cool it sounds like it's a very kind of diverse and dynamic role there's a lot going on and a lot of kind of elements that you need to focus on. One thing I did want to touch on is probably one of the most sort of notable sort of, uh, I don't know how to really word this properly, uh, things that you've been involved in is 2018 Bathurst. You were David Reynolds physio for that day. Can you just talk us through how that situation where he had the cramps come about? And we saw you in there treating and helping him just sort of recover and that was like really cool to see how sort of vital a physio is in that sort of thing. But what did actually happen to Dave uh, during that sort of thing that was really, and I mean Priya would have been probably kind of happy cheering that that did sort of go that way because her dad and Craig went on to win the race after uh, Dave had those sort of issues. But give us a little bit of an insight about how that happened with his legs just because, yeah, it was actually something that we hadn't seen happen for a long time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess it shows the, the extreme demands of the sport and of the situation and, and of the importance of, of perfect preparation when you're talking about high-performance sports. So, um, 
Dave had come into that event having because I guess ultimately they were being they were the you know the reigning champions so the demands on their time for them for the month really before it I think his manager had said to me hit something like a record number of appearances in the month before um, that Bathurst and I'd seen him in the clinic a few days before and he was really tired like he'd been traveling a lot um, and then when I got to Bathurst um, yeah he was he was tired he was you know, not sleeping well, he'd, um, you know, it's a bit out of his routine. Um, and every single athlete is different in terms of the, um, the way their body works, in terms of what they need to perform well. So some athletes might need more sleep than others. Some might need more alone time to recharge. They might, um, others might be really, might be better. They might be really extroverted, might do better with media and it actually energizes them and they really enjoy it. But for some, it's really, might be really sapping. Um, and others, you know, they might get away with not eating great food for a bit. Um, but Dave's system has always sort of been quite finely tuned that he needs a really good, a diet suits him. He needs a lot of sleep and he needs a balance of, um, of, of training and rest. And that month just, it just was tipped him out out of kilter in a really big way. Um, so he came into the event not in the, 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 the shape that he needed to be really. And then we were just playing catch up. So we were trying to sort of employ recovery strategies on the Friday and the Saturday. Um, but even then it was hard. He had, they had more, you know, more demands on their time on the Saturday, whereas in 2017, Actually, Dave and Luke, they the team had a camper van, and we actually they actually went to bed in the camper van for a few hours, like on 2017. I had a good rest Saturday afternoon. I was like, go and have a rest, like shut the door, no what, no one disturb them, sort of thing. Whereas when you're the reigning champions, there's a lot more demand on time. So that it just it all just kind of got a bit more out of whack. And then the morning even of the race, I think we were he was having you know a heap of caffeine just to try and get his sort of energy levels up. Um, and there was other, other issues with, you know, heat in the car and ventilation and stuff that I guess accelerated, um, what happened. But I think, you know, the take home, you know, we analyzed everything and the take home really was just how important that preparation is. And that once you, you know, it, once you're not in good shape, you, it, it's really hard to chase it. You just, you just can't. So, um, I think, you know, that famously Kimi Räikkönen's really, was really similar. He needed a lot of um, balance in his routine, just couldn't tolerate a too much media stuff. Just It just exhausted him too much. And I think we're still, um, I think, you know, supercars is probably one of those sports where athletes are still really accessible, which is really great for the fans, really great for the sponsors. But but they they perform for, for, for sponsors and um, a lot more than what I've seen in in other sports. In other sports, the athletes are, are given really a lot more time to rest and recover. So it, it's just something that's really interesting moving forward that we need to just continue to um, be aware of and analyse and manage, I guess. I think it's also really important to have noticed the change recently in the fact that more drivers and more teams are starting to understand the importance of their drivers' uh, physical preparation for their performance. Like, what, wind back five years ago, what teams had full-time physios, you know? Like, there used to be one, I think there was one physio that did about four or five teams or five or six teams, whatever it was, and now you see that they actually have 
physios that travel with them and they invest in having a physio on site because they see the benefits of it. And that's really cool to have seen that shift. And probably 2017 potentially and probably 2018 potentially kind of highlighted, oh, God, this is make or break. Like Luke and Dave were going to win that race, you know, until that happens. So then it's like, oh, wow, this is how kind of vital having a physio or someone who's a health professional on site to make sure that things like this don't happen because it's big dollars that we play for in this game. So I guess, yeah, it's really cool to have seen that shift. Yeah. And that's what I think is really great too about what Walkatura are doing. You know, we've, I've had a lot more involvement with them than I've had with any other team. Um, and it being there in the week means that you just, you're more engaged with, with the crew and the drivers more of the time. So you can be more across what's happening. You know, you look at, say, an AFL team and their physios are basically there full-time, multiple physios. So you're not missing things. I mean, we still, we're, still not, we're, not, we're still not there and, and budget is really challenging for teams and I think it, it, we still may not be, but at least um, the lines of communication are there. So the crew, drivers, even like I have a really good relationship with a lot of drivers actually in other teams that, that come and see me in the clinics. So if, if a lot of the time now, if, if people are not sure or they've got questions, they just text me. And that's the best ways. When you've got good relationships, you've got um, early contact, early intervention, which is what, what you want. I love it when someone, you know, messages me and they're like, hey, I'm not sure about this. And they're, they're, they're unsure because they think they don't want to be sooky about it. But I'm always, my big, big thing is like, let me decide if I should be worried about it or if we should be worried about it um, early rather than you wait an extra week or two weeks and then it becomes a problem that is, is much harder um, to, to deal with. But I think it's just, yeah, building those relationships so you've got um, a lot of trust there really. And not only are you the physio to a lot of the supercars drivers, also, a special shout out because I get yelled at every time I don't mention the Parked Up podcast. You treated, you have treated both Tony and Grant, the two hosts of Parked Up. So I just wanted to throw that in there that yeah. your Highlight Active does more than just supercars drivers. It also treats people like Grant Rowley. Yeah, well, I mean, I spoke a lot to Grant about how you know, he, what you guys do with me media, like you're on your feet all day, arguably clocking up miles that, you know, the crews aren't even doing. Um, and so, yeah, I've had lots of issues that I've come and seen you for with my ankles and feet. And you're like, you need to work out ways that you can sit down because you being on your feet so much is not good for your ankles and hips and knees and all that stuff that they're all tied in together. And just me operating a camera and my lower back gets sore because I stand so much and, like Nicole just kind of knows how to work it all out and it's really it's a really cool asset sort of it's a really cool thing to have in your corner to have her support you know everyone gets something everyone walking every human walking around gets some kind of musculoskeletal problem you know I think the stats on back lower back pain are 80% of us will get lower back pain you know whether if you don't get low back pain you'll get neck pain or you'll get something so you know our bodies are, are really mechanical they're like a car and you know we need to look after them service them um, and that's that's what we do as physios. But I, I you know, I have, I have we have great clients in our clinic. I love all the, you know, just you know whether they're they don't need to be elite athletes, but our you know our everyday clients, you know, are, are really special as well. So it's it's good fun. And coming off that, and 
all the challenges that you face within the role, what is probably the most rewarding part of the job? Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely success or, yeah, de- I mean, I think what I've, what I've re- two things I've really enjoyed um, is one, when I've worked with drivers when they've been quite young. So I've been in the sport now for about seven or eight years, I think. So they've, you know, come in maybe, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds and then worked with them throughout that time and then watched them just really progress up the ranks, but also kind of, um, you know, got to know their families and, and, and really shared in the entire experience and then watching their success. It's just, it's, re- it's really, really lovely. Um, and then the other thing that I, I just recently was realising how much I really enjoyed it, um, walk, working with the crew at Walkinshaw. So this is this team I've, I guess, had the most to do with the crew and my main um, sort of goal has been to get the crew to start to see themselves as athletes and to be, you know, working out and eating well and taking care of, you know, of their bodies and so that their performance is their main, is their main goal. Um, and we're really kind of getting there with that. And, and that, you know, that our, the walk and crew had the fastest pit stop last weekend. So that was, you know, really exciting. Um, and so, yeah, they've probably been the most, most rewarding things. Yeah, cool. So you have actually also been involved, you are currently, sorry, involved in the Napa Know-How Motorsport Academy, which I am also kind of involved in because I have to make all the content. But it's a new program that offers grassroots races the chance to get inside tips and tricks from the best in the biz. So we have Bryce Ford as a mentor. We have Grant Rowley as media training. We have Mitch Wiley as sponsorship. We have the Nicole Bryant as your health and nutrition specialist inside the academy. So, I mean, like, come on. Why would you not want to join? But how do you think that that program is gone? What's it been like for you to be able to provide your advice in an online platform to up and coming sort of races and people who just want to take that next step in their career. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a real privilege to be a part of it. And I've had some um, really humbling feedback that, you know, that the content that we're producing is really useful. And I guess I've, you know, worked hard when I've created it to make sure that it is, you know, bite size and, but, it, but the most useful kinds of information um, without, you know, giving a young racer too much to deal with, but just a few take-home things to really focus on, um, whether it's um, a short fitness workout um, or uh, information about, yeah, nutritional hydration that's quite basic but is really important. Um, it's been been great, yeah. And so we're, we're basically been thinking about, the you know, the content that we're going to build on that for this year so that's been really ch- interesting and challenging in a different way I guess because I deal I guess a lot with um, the professional drivers and that's kind of where my brain sits the most of the time day to day I don't really do as much face to face with juniors as I probably would would like to um, so trying to tailor it for them's really made me really challenge me to think um, about what's the most useful so and Nicole, uh, sorry, when am I coming to see you next to film more content for the Napa Know How Motorsport Academy members? Give the people what they want. <laughs> we do need to do that. Um, yeah, I need to need to plan it, and I think we can have a chat about what some some feedback and summaries from last year, and see, make sure we're actually delivering exactly what what the gaps are and what they need. So going back a little uh, into when you got into physiotherapy. 
me personally, when I was younger, um, I was interested in doing it because I wanted to be a horse physio. <laughs> I think I told you this before. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it takes a lot of work and yeah, it takes a lot of work. And what was, what's the kind of study and training that you had to go through to get to where you are? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I worked really hard in year 12 and it was really hard to get in and I didn't get in the first round offer. Um, and I was devastated. And then I got a second round offer. So about three weeks before the course actually started, I got invited in. Um, and then I found uni really hard, like just so much work, so many hours. I, I could see why the score was so high because it was so challenging. And there was a couple of times I nearly didn't, I nearly backed out. I was like, I, I had a physio at the time who I had done elite level canoe slalom when I was a teenager and she'd been my physio. And I remember going to see her, I think for, for an injury at the time. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm this just so hard. And she was just like, come and spend some time with me, see what the clinic's like. Um, you know, you just, it's not like study is not like what it's going to be like in the real world. And that was, it couldn't be more true. And then by the time the last couple of years of the course, you go out into clinical placements, almost full time. So you're basically with patients and you're in the environment that you'll be in working. And that was a game changer for me because I could see light at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't just the, 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 the study, which was just really heavy. Um, yeah, I really thrived in that environment with, with people. So, yeah. So if you weren't in the motorsport world, what other area do you think you'd be in? Would you still be at the Alfred? Would you still be doing that kind of high kind of intensity sort of uh trauma and and hospital work or do you think you'd end up somewhere else i'd, I'd be in another sport i um i wouldn't be be in the hospital um the thought of that sends fear deep into me because it's you no know, we worked in yeah acute settings in icu like i couldn't touch a ventilator of an intubated patient right now that would terrify me um whereas you know it was it was normal practice back then um, there's a lot going on. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at, I've been out of that environment for a long time. So definitely would be still, it would be in private practice what I'm doing, but probably more specialising in a different sport maybe. Yeah, I did a fair bit of triathlon and cycling work at one point, um, really enjoyed that. I did a bit of AFL footy um, for the first couple of years after I graduated. I might might be doing more, more of that. But, prob- yeah, probably more, more sport, um, more sport work, but another sport maybe. Obviously, there's a lot of benefits to the job. You get to travel with the race team and see a lot of cool places and deal with some interesting people. Um, if, if an opportunity came up for you to work overseas or in something totally different uh, that just really grabbed you, would you do it? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, right now, like, um, I'm still building my clinic. So my physio clinic's based in Richmond. Um, we just moved into new premises in January, um, fitted them out, and we've you know we've got a, a fairly long lease. So we're getting really settled there. So that's my priority at the moment. Um, but also would never say never to an interesting opportunity. Um, maybe in the future, I, I would probably like to maybe do something overseas. Or I don't. I'm just. I'm. I am very much a yes person. I don't like to turn down things that are interesting. And that's sort of how I've, I guess it's how I'm even in the position I'm in. I've, I've said yes to, to any opportunity really that's come my way. Um, and I, I would like to think I'll continue to do that. 
So yeah, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Well, motorsport has has been incredible so far. I've, I've had some incredible experiences um, that are well beyond what I thought I would have. So yeah, I guess the world is 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 our oysters. So who know? Who knows? One hundred percent. And motorsport's definitely a great place to open up a lot of doors because it's really probably one of the sort of higher end uh, sort of niches in. Like difficulty, I guess, if if that's fair to say. But because this is Girls on the Grid, you know what's coming. You know what we're going to ask you. Nicole Bryant, she has admitted that she's a bit of a fan of the pod and we can't blame her because, you know, me and Priya, you know, what what's not to love? But in more seriousness, we have to ask you, because it's Girls on the Grid, you're in a male-dominant sport. We all know it. We all are trying to change it. That's what we're working towards with the podcast and with other platforms like Girls on Track and Careers with Gears and things like that. Obviously, in recent years, even since I started five years ago, there's been a huge change in the amount of women that are getting around the sport. And that is so cool to see. Have you seen a change from the sort of health and fitness sort of medical side and what sort of your experience been in regards to sort of the gender issues that we see? Yeah, it's a really interesting take and it was really interesting when I've been listening to your other podcasts because obviously I, I can't, I have, you know, female drivers who are um, patients and I get that it's, I think it is really, it's really hard um, for certainly female drivers and I imagine it's probably quite hard for female, um, you know, mechanics or anyone who's, yeah, sort of in those roles um, it's been totally different for me. I guess I've come in with into the sport with a health um, expertise that is not um, it's not not in the sport, right? So there's not it's it it it's an unusual um, niche, and so from that I've I've come in as a gender neutral person. Really, I think it's how how I see it and how I feel it. Um, I don't feel like I've had any question or ever any level of discrimination because I'm a female from any of the teams or anyone I work with in motorsport um, because of that. I think it, it's just been seen as, as expertise. I think if anything, I've probably at points it's benefited me because I I think often females can be a bit more caring and a bit more um, in tune, intuitive, and that um, – in the health role, you're in you're the caring person of the team, so it is it is quite suited to either a really caring male or a fe- or a female. Um, so it's it's I feel like it's been different for me. I've just been able to prove or show that what I do is effective, and I can communicate, and I can deal with lots of different personalities, and I can fit in with a team. I'm like. Um, yeah, good, good at fitting in and communicating, and I think that is gender neutral in a way. If that, yeah, answers it. I totally love that, and that's really cool to see that someone has been able to come into our sport and just be there for what they can do. Like you are an incredible physio, and it doesn't matter if you're male or female. And I guess that that's cool from a, uh, I guess in the health and fitness space, it's maybe not so much of an issue. Both Priya and I have faced a, a lot of sort of issues in regards to gender 
So, and I know that a lot of people that we spoke to in previous episodes have, and it's actually really, really refreshing for us to hear that it's not something that you've really had to factor in. Like I love, I like, you don't know how much joy that brings me to hear that, that you have had the, the experience where it hasn't been an issue for you. And that's just so good to hear. That actually puts a smile on my face. Yeah, it's interesting because also I was on a podcast recently, um, a, a physio who interviews lots of physios who work in different fields and it's aimed at, at young physios who are graduates and it shows them the career opportunities that they could have. And the one question he said to me was, um, you know, he said, I've got f- female friends who are physios who just won't go near male-dominated sport. They just they just roll their eyes with it. They cringe. They just don't want any a bar of it. And I think it's because a lot of us, when we're at university in our early years, spend a lot of time in um, AFL football, whether it's, you know, um, local clubs or amateur clubs, um, and really cut your teeth, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, 18 guys who think it's funny to, like, be naked around you or joke or whatever. And if you don't have um, the ability to deal with that, and especially if you're young, you know, 20, 21, um, that's really challenging. And I just said, like, our motorsport is just not like that. It's um, really respectful. I mean, sure, there's a bit of joking, but it's it's just I, on the whole, I find I, it couldn't be more different. So it's not, uh, even though it's you know it is blokey, and you know there is that perception that it's um, yeah really like male and parochial. It's not. It's just not, in my opinion. So I don't know. I might. It might be totally different because again, I come. I have more of a um, really close working relationship obviously with everyone like because being the trusted person I'm talking in a really like we're sharing um, private conversations and obviously I, I touch people so that's a very kind of intimate thing and very you, you know there requires a lot of trust um, from both parties so it's it's yeah it's an interesting niche it's probably really different to what anyone else does I guess. Yeah, it's really good to hear that different point of view. And like Tanea said, it's quite refreshing. But lastly, and as always in good girls on the grid fashion, we always ask, what is your advice for women wanting to get into a similar role in motorsport? I think it would be the same advice, whether it was a male or female. It's really interesting. So I have no, I now have quite a lot of physios contact me um, about getting into motorsport or I have... Um, people who are studying exercise and sports science who might be going wanting to go into strength and conditioning coach roles and I mean I say the same thing to all of them interestingly I have a lot more men contact me than women um I guess that would just be the statistics of more men being interested in motorsport presently possibly than women I also have spoken to women before who say, oh, I don't know anything about motorsport, who are physios. I'm like, well, that's, it's what's hard. You do need to understand it and learn about it. It's not like if you grew up, you know, if you, like, for you, Prey, if if someone, um, you know, grew up riding horses and they went and studied physio, then they could treat a rider really easily because they understood it. But if you haven't been involved in motorsport, you haven't been in a race car and been for hot laps or you don't really know the specifics, you, it's really hard. You can't. Um, so I do say that to them. You need to learn a lot more about it, about the physical demands. You need to spend time at racetracks and understand um, what's going on. And that's for, for males or females. Um, and, you know, I haven't even um, physios and 
um, trainers overseas who contact me who might have just gotten into the sport and they're like, I was at a track, I didn't know what to do, I felt like I was doing nothing and I was like, just you just need to be present and you need to not butt in too much. You need to just um, listen, learn, like be friendly to everyone, talk to the sponsors, talk to the people in the team and then just what, see where where you can help. You don't need to be actually physically doing something all the time you're kind of there for if things arise or if if they need things so yeah they're probably my biggest biggest pieces of advice I guess well Nicole it's been great to have you on the pod today um and it's good to see another side to the sport that we haven't really talked about yet and it's also really cool to hear about all your strategies and the approaches that you take in order to make sure that these drivers are feeling their best and performing at their best. So it's also once again, a big reminder of all the little background things that go on will go into this sport uh, to be able to make it happen really. Um, But good luck with your clinic and all the racing coming up and yeah, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lovely to speak to you. It's really great to see what you guys are doing and be hearing all the different stories as well. I'm sure I'll be in to visit you sooner rather than later after my eight weeks of racetracks. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. It's been awesome to chat. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I have no doubt that I'll see you very soon. Thanks so much to Nicole for joining us on the Girls on the Grid podcast this week. It was great to have a chat and learn about a side that we really haven't touched on all that much. We've done a lot of media, a lot of kind of driving and a lot of kind and a kind of and a lot of big sort of personalities. But to chat to Nicole and hear how the drivers who like a lot of us kind of watch and follow get to be as fit and as healthy as they are on a daily basis was actually really interesting. So thanks Nicole for joining us. And P Dog, it is a new week. What's on for your week? Uh, this week we are headed up to the Gold Coast. Actually, good lord. Um, for some uh, Toyota 86 stuff. Awesome. And then, yeah, kind of coming down via Sydney on the way home to do um, some more Toyota stuff. Stop into the Airtime Media head office. Yeah, that's it. Say hi to our mate, Neil Crompton. Oh, actually, I don't even know if I'm going to the office when I think about it. I think I might be going to SMP. SMP or SMSP? What do we call it? Oh, love SMSP. SMP, SMSP, all the same. Yeah, I swear I live there. I've like bought an apartment in Parramatta just because I spend so much time at SMP. But yeah, um, and then what even is going on next weekend? Next weekend's another kind of weekend off. Ugh. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm. I feel like I need to get on your level tonight. <laughs> if you can't tell by my reaction, it's not a weekend off for me. Uh, before Bathurst Six Hour, I actually come straight off the Grand Prix and headed to Brisbane to shoot the Jet Johnson Napa launch at Movie World, which was like sick. So, you know, the Movie World stunt show, it's run by Showtime Mm. Entertainment. And, uh, like I went like behind the scenes of Movie World and we were, and as, again, as someone who grew up, like I'm an adrenaline junkie, I love theme parks. So to be behind the scenes of a theme park, like literally backstage, when I went to the canteen to get lunch, there's like 
Superman and Batman and like Shaggy, like they're all just walking out of like their dressing rooms. And my head's like, oh my God, this is insane. Because I used to like, I was the person that would line up and get photos with them because I just loved like everything, everything theme park. I just frothed it so hard as a kid and probably still now. But um, that was really cool. And we were behind the scenes of the stunt show, shot and edited a video and returned it around in like three hours. It was a hectic sort of time frame, but I was really proud with the end mm. result. Um, and everyone involved in the project was stoked. So yeah, that was cool. And then straight back, flew back Tuesday and Wednesday to Bathurst. And I've been in Bathurst for five days. I actually had to have three nights of sleep in my own bed <laughs> next week, which is really exciting. So Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, I get to sleep in my bed. I'm sure my roommate will be stoked to actually see me for the first time in like four weeks. That's so exciting. And then I jump on a plane again and fly to Canberra and head out to Wakefield Park to film for Aussie Cars at a superbike round. So, yeah, that is week seven out of eight straight. So after after Wakefield Superbikes, we've got Perth and then I get a weekend off and my mum is coming down to visit me and I'm so excited. I actually can't keep up with you anymore. Like one day I'm like, oh, yeah, today is probably just it she's probably at home doing something and then I look on your Instagram and you're on the other side of the country and then like the next day you're back home and then you're back on the other side of the country that's about accurate yeah so I don't go to Perth very often I just go between Melbourne Sydney and Gold Coast quite frequently are you coming to Perth actually just out of curiosity yeah man it'll be a party it'll be a party I gotta tell you about top secret details to a party we're having Thursday night oh Mm. but I can't tell you on the pod because everyone will turn up yeah. Oh, in Perth. In Perth. <gasps> oh, We're yeah. having a pizza party in Bathurst tonight. But you're not invited That's to that because you're in Melbourne. So. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, P-Dog. These people, these lovely listeners of our podcast They're have sick heard of us. us. They're sick of us. Uh, luckily that they only have to deal with us next Monday. So thanks for tuning in again, guys. And yeah. We love that you love listening. See you guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs> love you lots and lots. Kiss, kiss. Cuddle, cuddle. You've just listened to another Network R production. Oh.